Well, good evening, everybody. I'm your host for tonight, Alex Caperton, local writer and filmmaker, bringing you another episode of The Greatest Unknowns. Now, for every Oscar nominee, there are dozens of amazing movies that don't always get as much attention, and that's where this podcast comes in. I brought together movie enthusiasts to watch some of The Greatest Unknowns. Ah, I had to make that sound cheesy, but uh, why not? <laughs> <laughs> My guests tonight are my neighbor, uh, architect, and vocalist, Jenny Cahill. Jenny, how are you tonight? You know, I can't complain. Better than, better than a lot of people. <laughs> That's more than most of us could say. <laughs> You're also um, a part of the Columbus Symphony Chorus. Uh, how has that changed for 2020? Wait, I changed my mind. I can complain. Um, <laughs> I really, I really miss singing with people in person. The uh, the online recordings are not as much fun, uh, for sure. Hmm. Oh man, I totally understand that. It's a uh, audience loves it because they can still get the music, but um, having to sing in time with uh, no accompaniment can be interesting. <laughs> Yeah, really hard to do singing when you're by yourself in the kitchen. <laughs> a lot of people have it figured out on the way to work, but uh, usually they don't <laughs> hear them, which sometimes is for the best in my case. <laughs> yeah, I haven't done any of my recordings in my shower yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, in the car on the way to work, that's where the best voice comes in. Right in between the hey the light screen man <laughs> wow <laughs> i actually have like big can track lighting in my kitchen which i realized i could like pretend was stage lighting and like aim all down at me while i'm singing so you know that was a major breakthrough all you got to do is just grab a hairbrush and start singing into it <laughs> <laughs> yep yep Probably would have been better than the mic on my iPhone. <laughs> Our next guest tonight is a local filmmaker, Jake Danger Jolly, who is the writer and director of Clay Zombies the Movie. How are you tonight, Jake? I'm doing great, Alex. Pleasure to be here, my friend. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about Clay Zombies the Movie. Um, Clay Zombies the Movie is a live-action, stop-motion, commotion hybrid of a film. Um, we've got, uh, you know, gratuitous clay violence, um, dry humor, such dry humor, you're going to need, you're going to need a beverage. Because <laughs> that's, <laughs> and um, it's it maybe a little bit of heart. And sprinkled in there. I, I feel like, uh, you know, I wish it was out sooner. It's, uh, I feel like it's, uh, it's a little bit encouraging of a film, too. Um, but yeah, if you like puns, guns, and uh, violent clay zombie kills, you'll enjoy the film. <laughs> uh, I'm, I play a role in the film, and I'm excited for it already. Sounds <laughs> awesome. Well, when it's ready, I know everyone who is listening right now, uh, including Jenny and myself, are going to be very excited to see the final product. Um, and just from seeing some of the, uh, being privy to some of the behind the scenes stuff, it looks amazing. 
I'll go ahead and say. I'm having explanation and gratuitous violence. <laughs> Thanks. What more can yeah. you ask for? <laughs> yeah. Huh. All right. So um, I know during this time, everyone has been watching a lot of uh, movies they've been familiar with, uh, enjoying some familiar comforts. Uh, what to you guys are some movies that you would say you can always come back to and never get tired of watching? You guys are going to judge me so hard. <laughs> no way. I, I don't rewatch. I don't rewatch movies. <laughs> I respect that. <laughs> Once I've seen it, I know what happens. <laughs> okay, so so you remember stories pretty well then, because some people see a movie and then they can watch it a year later and forget. That's true. I I mean, if it's like five years later, it's been like over five years then I could probably, it'd probably be like a whole new I will say I started watching Serenity again and I thought I hadn't seen it and I watched like half the movie before I realized I had already seen it. So. <laughs> oh, is that the Matthew McConaughey one or? Uh... Oh, it's the Firefly one. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the Firefly I'm movie. a leaf in the wind. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like to rewatch movies if I'm watching them with somebody, like if I loved the movie and I find out one of my friends hasn't seen it and then I'm like, oh, we're going to watch this. I'm going to make you watch this. But I'm not really watching the movie. I'm just like watching them the whole time. So. Yeah, yeah. Let me refill the emotions from the movie through you now. Exactly. That's probably <laughs> it. It's like Alex said. Like you're like, oh, here's like a perfectly clean. I'm gonna enjoy this all over again. This experience. Especially if it has a twist ending and you're just watching them. Like, did they get it? Did they pick up on it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, Jake, what about you? What are some uh, movies that uh, you either are kind of comfort movies or something that you just enjoy going back and seeing and just never get tired of? Um, so, let's see. Uh, Better Off Dead. Um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yes. Uh, a, a newer one, maybe. So I quit naming, you know, real popular ones, but the Turbo Kid. I don't know if anybody's heard of that, but it's uh, basically kind of like Mad Max, but on BMX bikes. Um, Neat. <laughs> yeah, and the performances just uh, between the two leads, um, gosh, I forget their names, but they're, they're just charming. I don't know. It's like, you know, even the jerkiest reviewers on YouTube will, will usually give Turbo Kid an A-plus rating, you know, so... That's one I like to go to in um, Army of Darkness. And one I just rewatched the other day featuring Bruce Campbell as the king. Oh, oh. Bubba Hotep, where Elvis Presley faces off against a mummy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that uh, sounds like that my list. <laughs> I think you've sold us all on that movie right now. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, I mean, really though, like Bruce Campbell playing Elvis, like he does such a good job. Again, I mean, it's a comedy and everything, but just like even, you know, just the little mannerisms and stuff, it's, it's pretty awesome. So yeah, if you haven't seen it, check it out, man. 
Bubba Hotep. Bubba Hotep. Now, uh, where can we stream that one? Um, well, I recently purchased the deluxe edition special, you know, uh, Blu-ray, <laughs> you know, <so> mm. <laughs> but as far as streaming, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, it might be free on Prime. Uh, it might even be on Tubi. I'm not, I'm not sure though. I have both of those, so, and uh, just wrote that down, as well as Turbo Kids, so adding those to my must-watch list. Uh, I'll, okay, so I'll do one more. That, that, you know, I don't want to take up too much time, but the Velocipaster. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> now, it's it's a, you know... It's not a PG movie for sure, but I will say, I think some people will have the wrong idea that it might be like somehow sacrilegious or, you know, Can't something like why. that. <laughs> What's that? Can't imagine why you would get that idea. <laughs> <laughs> but, and you know, it, it is rough around the edges, but I I do feel like if, if people feel you know, like they don't want to watch it because they're afraid of that. I do feel like the end message of the movie isn't bad at all. So, yeah, you guys want something fun. A heartwarming flick about dinosaur pastors. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's what it yeah. should say on the back of the DVD box right there. <laughs> Yeah, uh, unfortunately, it says he's a man, a man of the claw. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, too. I mean, uh... yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it gives me hope, though. It was a $30,000 budget, and it's so good that, you know, if I'm feeling down, I'll go back and put in the Velocipasture, so. Ah, well, um... I may have to cover that one at some point on The Greatest Unknowns. In fact, y'all heard it here. I will cover that one very soon. Yes. <laughs> the Velocipaster. <laughs> yes. Just a beautiful concept. Uh, and probably amazing special effects, too. Um, Where dinosaur? You don't hear about that very often, but... Uh, <laughs> Ah, for me, uh, I'd say the movies that I love to come back to the most are anything that can make me laugh, but also double indemnity for some odd reason. <laughs> that whenever that's on TV, uh, TCM will have it on, ooh, double indemnity, and just sit down and even though I know exactly how it ends, what is going to happen with Fred McMurray's character, I don't get tired of seeing it. I don't think I've seen that. I'm gonna have to check that one out. There's so many movies I haven't seen. It would be embarrassing if I listed them for you. <laughs> uh, I freaked a friend out in college because I told him, well, I've never seen a single Lord of the Rings movie. And three extended edition DVDs later, I have seen all of them. I hope you did that. Good, good. Glad to hear it. Uh, Even I But uh, another one of the movies that I can go back and rewatch all the time is this heartwarming story 
called Brigsby Bear, which is what we're going to be watching tonight. Oh, nice. It is just a, I don't know. Have you ever had that show when you were a kid that you just absolutely loved and then you saw later in life, oh my God, it's getting a reboot. And then you watch it and it's everything you hoped it would be. That's what this movie's about. Uh, <laughs> it's an entirely new concept, but uh, it's a kid finding out that the show that he always watched growing up and loved has become a beloved icon because of him. Now, the movie is directed by Dave McCary, who is better known as Emma Stone's husband. Um, and wow. SNL director. Oh, uh, okay. But also Emma Stone's husband. Love it. It stars Kyle Mooney and Mark Hamill, also known as the Joker. I mean, Luke Skywalker. <laughs> depending on who you talk to. And I don't know, have you guys uh, ever heard of the toy Teddy Ruxpin? Yes. That's what the uh, design of the titler character, Brigsby Bear, is based on, is the Teddy Ruxpin toy from the 80s. So there's a nostalgia rush for all of us right there. Never owned one. I was going to say, Alex, I know you weren't born in the 80s. <laughs> I was born in 94. <laughs> but I've seen it in antique shops. <laughs> <laughs> Not to say that it's an antique, but uh, the anyway, before uh, <laughs> before the angry mob of eighties kids comes after me. <laughs> wow! Good thing I can't slap you through the Zoom screen. Oh no, I feel it. <laughs> it's a good thing the listeners won't be able to see that I was being virtually slapped. Wow. <laughs> I don't I don't think 80s kids are like a skater culture where they're like you're a poser Alex you, you never you never brings me bared <laughs> you're fine <laughs> it's lit fam as the children say I think in these day and age <laughs> me trying to be hip how do you do fellow kids <laughs> wow wow it's rough being an 80s kid right now because we're all reliving our worst nightmare of like being on Oregon Trail and dying of some weird disease. <laughs> now that game I have played, Oregon Trail, um, I suck at it, but uh, yeah, I suck at it. <laughs> I mean, that's part of the fun, right? Right. If you can't bury half your wagon in some grave somewhere in Missouri, then, you know, you're not doing it right. And I think everyone living in 2020 has uh, failed at the game. But uh, without further ado, uh, Jenny, Jake, are you guys ready for the Brigsby Bear? Let me silence uh, my cell phone. That was what I was going to tell everyone to do just now, in case you heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys ready to go? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yes, sir. All right. And everyone, if you could uh, go ahead and hit play on your Amazon Prime, hit pause on your podcast, get ready for Brigsby Bear, and we will see you ex post facto. Thank you for listening to The Greatest Unknowns. 
At this time, the podcast is in intermission, and we would like to remind you to pause the podcast until you have finished watching the film in its entirety. We will be entering the post-viewing discussion shortly. Once again, thank you for listening to The Greatest Unknowns, and enjoy the film. And welcome back, everyone. Uh, that was Brigsby Bear. I'm joined by Jake Danger Jolly and Jenny Cahill. Uh, initial thoughts after the movie, guys. Mark Hamill is a goddamn treasure. That's all. That's all I have to say. <laughs> and you're not wrong. <laughs> I don't think yeah. anyone needed to see the movie to know that, but. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, it's um, yeah, him and um, you know, I gotta gotta say, Kyle Mooney, uh, his own movie, really, um, I think he really he really shined on it, man. It was it was, it was really good. Kind of made me want to see uh, an actual Birdsby Bear series now. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time I was just thinking like. Is the show really that good? So, like, everyone that sees it is like, we need more of it. There's no proof of that. <laughs> uh, then again, the Big Bang Theory lasted how many seasons again? <laughs> There's definitely some things that you just watch them so long that they're endearing shows to you just because you've seen, you, you feel like you know the characters because you've seen, you know, 783 episodes. Wow. Right. The yeah. office theme just played in my head after you said that, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's weird. It's weird. It's kind of like the only thing I could think of that really felt like the movie to me was kind of uh, I watched Rocco's Modern Life a lot as a kid, and then when they came out with that movie, it was really weird. Really weird. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I saw that special, the, the Netflix one. Yes. It was interesting. It was, uh, although I wish that it would have been instead of just like, okay, it's the end of the series. I loved Rocco's Modern Life as a kid, and I thought it was going to be a reboot. But uh, as the Whins of Change said. Uh, I can see yeah. why you like this movie a lot. <laughs> it kind of speaks to both me and Jake. Um being in the independent film world. Uh, I think the most realistic thing to independent filming, though, was the amateur pyrotechnician who wanted to blow something up immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I've met those people before. Yeah. Uh, have you ever gotten in legal trouble for something that you have filmed? Okay, funny story about that. Uh, well, there was a thing that I was acting in in college, and usually most disaster stories start with that, but uh, <laughs> my friend was doing a music video for her senior capstone project, and I was one of the actors in it. There was a scene where I was supposed to be mugged behind a building, and they got this guy who looked like the perfect just robber. He was, I think he was like six foot seven, I think it was, and he was a pretty big guy, and they had him dressed in a hood. This guy was just literally, speaking of Brigsby Bear, he was like a teddy bear in real life. He was like, oh, I'm sorry, did I throw you against the wall too hard? I am so sorry. Well, a rent-a-cop comes by, and he's like, oh, 
And then he looks at the camera and he's like, oh, you guys just filming a music video or something? Yeah, that's exactly. Okay, well, uh, I got a complaint, but yeah, I I'm just going to go. <laughs> I was going to say, you feel like the fact that a camera is there makes it pretty <laughs> obvious what's going on. But... but yeah, he didn't even ask any questions after he saw that. Um, but then there was okay, a feature note film. To self, for all of my crimes, bring along a cameraman and nobody will <laughs> ask any questions. It's all right, we're filming a pilot for a TV show. <laughs> I'm probably not breaking into this bank. You don't just be the cameraman? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I guess for me, the, the initial impression was it, it really did kind of, you know, I felt like it captured, I feel, I feel like a lot of people don't understand, like if you're not creative or, if, or you know, because sometimes, you know, you know, when you tell people, at your day job or whatever oh i try to make movies blah, blah 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 they don't they don't get it they don't get like why why would you why would you do these things like whatever and i think jennifer kind of would know too from you know having a musical background and stuff there's something about when you collaborate with other people you get in this group and then like the there's some kind of magic in this like group collaboration and making art where people it's like a high. It all, I mean, you know, to be cliche, it almost does feel like this sort of magic. And I feel like that's kind of what Grigsby Bear really um, visually uh, as a film kind of helps, I think would help people understand like, why, why would anybody do these creative things? And I, I like, especially in the montage of when they're filming the Grigsby stuff in the mountain, that's kind of what I was thinking like, uh, man, this kind of really just reminds me of in my band days or, you know, even filming, you know, Clay Zombies with you guys and everything. It's like you start to feel like this uh, family and there just ends up being this great energy of, uh, well, you know, most of the time, unless there's a jerk on set or something, but, <laughs> you know, you end up feeling this energy and this great, great feeling. great stories, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that's kind of what Grigsby uh, kind of Grigsby Bear kind of, you know. I know there's a lot more going on there, like overcoming trauma and you know manipulation and all that stuff too. But as far as him making the film and, and things like that, that's what it kind of made me think of. Yeah, I feel that. I remember uh, last year I had done with a few people a 48-hour film project, and we did a Christmas-themed movie in July. So literally Christmas in July. Um, we still have that group chat going over a year later, and we still just check in on one another. Hey, you guys doing okay? You want to read this thing that I wrote? Or you get kind of a temporary family here, and I think family was one of the themes in this movie. I know I've had those kind of feelings of highs and connections with people in both movies and theater. Uh, now, what's the time you guys have ever felt something like that? Not like in just the filmmaking world, but in anything like choir or theater, or even being at work with people? I don't know. I mean, it was kind of like a nostalgic thing to be that age again and have it be so easy to just like make friends and go to parties and <laughs> run around in the mountains. Like, I'm a little nostalgic. I mean, honestly, we're, you know, hashtag pandemic, but like, I would love to just like meet up with a bunch of people and like, I don't know, go sword fight on a beach or something. Like, you don't, I don't think as adults we get enough chances to bond that way. 
yeah the bond over like practical things and like reality it's not it's almost a little like nerdy and childish if you bond over like how much you love lord of the rings or like your dungeons and dragons group like it's kind of sad i mean there's what do you guys think like no i think you've hit on a big point that yeah no i was thinking about that too just watching um when Kyle Mooney's face, when uh, his friend is like talking about how he likes Brigsby Bear, and he's just like, it's like, I finally have someone I can talk to about this. And I was thinking about that too. It's like, gosh, I just miss, you know, obviously we have people we live with too, but it's like, I miss just being able to like talk to somebody about how much I like the movie, like in person or something like that. And like you said, those opportunities even getting to go to a mountain with a group of friends and stuff. Yeah, it's like nostalgia for a year ago, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that line, when he said, uh, oh, the air, no mask needed, I'm like, okay, this movie just dated itself. Pandemic <laughs> 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 days. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sad, but true. Oh, yeah. man. No, I get that nostalgia thing. I remember in college, high school, even, heck, like the year after college, it was so much easier for people, like, Hey, you doing anything this weekend? Uh, no, let's get together, maybe do some writing, critique each other's writing. And nowadays, what do you have? Oh, I work a, a double shift. And I mean, of course, pandemic aside, but I don't know. That's really changed my perception on everything. It's, I feel like I'm going to be wearing a mask out in public for the next 10 years. <sighs> <laughs> At least you've yeah. got some, some cool ones in your collection. <laughs> yeah. 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 a strong word, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a really interesting dynamic in this movie because of the whole, like, bunker kid aspect. So, right, he's this, like, I don't know, early 20s, mid-20s? Something like that. Guy, he's an adult, but, like, he, he loves this, what's seen as a really childish thing to pursue. But he's like, he's kind of allowed to because of his, what he's been through. It's like, okay, it's okay that you love this like bear TV show or whatever. But like, I felt like that was an interesting vehicle to like make it okay for all of us to just experience a little childhood joy. I get that. Yeah. And I think, um, I think especially nowadays, like when it was made was 2017 when Let's see, what was uh, going on then was not a pandemic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let me check my calendar. Nope. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I think I like, I like that uh, Jennifer's point there. That it was kind of, it was making me think of um, Hook, you know? Oh, kind of, yeah. Yeah, like going back to your childhood and. Yeah, and you know, that's the thing. I think Hook is cool when you're a kid, but I think it, it just makes me straight up sad watching it as an adult because it's, I think it's more relatable as an adult, really. You relate more. Oh, yeah. Kid and uh, kind of. Kids just have the fear of growing up. We actually know what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Take me back. <laughs> we validate their fear. We tell them, yes, you have a lot to be afraid of. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, I think it's even kind of, um, 
you know, not to make it a hook discussion now, but it's almost like when you can tell Robin Williams is remembering things that seem like forever ago that he just like completely forgot about. It's like, oh my gosh, like I've done all these memories. Um, I guess I'm not really sure how that relates to Brigsby, but that's kind of the feeling I was almost getting with uh, Brigsby for some reason. Oh, I get that. I, I think Hook is a really great one to bring up because, honestly, if you think about it, uh, this kid is almost like Robin Williams' character from Hook. Um, James is, he's gone through what he thinks is real life, and then suddenly, one night, everything changes. He realizes, oh, everything I've been living in was a fantasy world. But then Robin Williams' character was like, ah, I've just put the fantasy behind me. And then he rediscovers it. And I think this is, I guess, phase one of that process is the kid first uh, being forced to try and put the fantasy behind him and then turns it on its head where he doesn't want to and he gets to hang on to it. <laughs> Just <laughs> rambling there, but... <laughs> no, no. I, I'm thankful you articulated what I couldn't really explain of why, why I was making a connection there. But no, I think that's, yeah, that was great. Yeah, that idea of um, when you leave Toyland, you can never return again. I don't know if you guys have heard that song, that Toyland, Toyland, I don't know all the lyrics, but. <laughs> so yeah, that song. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I also thought it was really interesting to, it really looked like that first clip from the episode, it looked like something that, I would have watched on PBS in the 90s right before Bob Ross came on. It's <laughs> <laughs> a relatable style. I mean, it instantly takes you back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, charming. Very charming. I think it's something that, like, for almost everyone who's watching this, uh, who would be minus people who have grown up in like mid-century or before i think this is like a real nostalgia trip for anyone 90s kids or before because me being born in the very end of the millennial generation i still have faint memories of like i remember this one tv show where it had this um guy who taught us how to paint and it's like i don't remember anything about it but i remember him painting and being happy and <laughs> Per Eliza Schlesinger, I am an elder millennial, so I can say that the, the wood paneling in the first couple scenes really took me back. <laughs> this is my childhood living room. <laughs> I've seen some that look like they never came out of the 70s or 80s, so... I guarantee my parents' old house still has that same wood paneling. <laughs> yes. It's coming back. It's coming back. <laughs> It is, but now it's horizontal. Like, that's the big change. <laughs> They've rotated it at 90 degrees. It's a whole new style. That's what yeah. happens. Every decade, the wood paneling goes like 45 degrees. So <laughs> pretty soon it'll be diagonal. You never know. Another thing that was in there, I thought it was interesting how it was a little bit non-realistic in certain aspects like they would never have allowed him to take a tape recorder and script into a prison and i don't know did you know there's a podcast they do out of prison i did not 
Yes, I forget what it's called. Wait, I'm gonna Google it. Um, but yeah, I thought that too. I was like, I don't know, there's a podcast, so who knows? Hmm. <laughs> no, yeah, I agree. Um, because I forget what what rappers did it, but I know there's several rappers who did albums over the phone calls. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, the podcast is Ear Hustle. If you're interested in hearing a podcast, find that pencil <laughs> from San Quentin State Prison. No, yeah. I mean there were definitely some parts. Like, I mean, I don't know the part at the beginning where the police pick him up and they like he's just sitting in the back of the squad car and they're not saying anything to him. I'm sorry, you just got this kid out of a bunker and you're not gonna like explain to him what's going on. <laughs> right. Yeah, in this kid's mind, he's being arrested for throwing a rock at a mechanical fox. <laughs> <laughs> also, did he think the fox was real? I have questions about the fox. Yeah. That was something that, uh, when I was watching it, it was starting to bother me a little bit because these animatronic animals that don't look real, and he goes outside the bunker, how does he think that they're real? Do they move around? Does, like, Mark Hamill just, at some point during the day, okay, time to move the animals into different locations for tonight? I mean, he clearly had too much free time if he was producing his own children's TV show one episode that no one day. saw except one person every day. What was his job? What was her job that they were making enough money to for a production crew and like actors and actresses in an off the grid bunker? Can't forget that. Yes, it does, it does sort of start to fall apart when you think of it that way. Yeah, like who was running the camera and like. <laughs> Who did the audio sound mix and everything? Huh? Yeah. And like one episode would definitely take a week at least. So yeah, it's starting to unravel. <laughs> I think yeah. they assume that the people who are going to be watching this were like not big into the film scene. Just like, oh, look, they're making a movie and a TV show. And then someone comes along, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah see that's that's what's great about the the movies though is like or this, this movie was so good that the tone you know even though it was funny and everything it was so serious that I didn't present that question until you know Jennifer just brought it up so they did a good job of like look this way don't think about how it was it be impossible to do a new episode every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or was it was it every day or was it every week? It was every week, I think, is oh, what I they said. Oh, I thought it was every day. <laughs> it was every day. Clearly, I wasn't paying enough attention. <laughs> I don't know. I thought I must have been not paying as good attention too, because I thought it might have been just a day too. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. All you have to do is just be serious, and you won't, and we won't have these important questions till after the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay, I think I listened to too much true crime because I really wanted to know like the kidnapper's story like what's their motive like, what's her backstory like how I also kind of wanted to see Mark Hamill have a little more screen time but uh... <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, I feel like I would watch a sequel prequel where they like explain how he got kidnapped <laughs> yeah the making of Brigsby Bear. No, exactly. literally. 
<laughs> yeah. It, that's the thing that, you know, was really interesting too, is I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but it's, it was really conflicting. They made it really, they, they, as far as how you felt about him at the end, they, they did not allow you to simply hate him. It's like, it was really weird. I don't know if you guys felt like, oh yeah, he's such a horrible person at the end, or if you felt the same way I did, or it's like, he, he can't be all bad. Like, I don't understand it either. They, but. they almost didn't even present, like you're saying, they almost didn't even present the view like mm -hmm. he was bad. Like, I know there's supposed to be this like tension between like, is he a good guy or a bad guy? You know, do you like him because he's a good dad? Do you hate him because he kidnapped his child? But they, they almost like steer you so far in the one direction that you're like, Oh my god, I wish Mark Hamill was my dad and kidnapped me. Like <laughs> basically gave the viewer <laughs> Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It, it's like, oh well, you know, your mom brought you home and I knew it was wrong, but I wanted you so I did it anyway. And I don't know. So it almost takes a good you know, sixty percent of the blame off of him. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's it's complicated. But I guess that's a good thing, you know, that the, um, I feel like that is a sign of great writing when you take a character that normally would just be hated and all of a sudden it's like, ah, I, I don't know. You know, they water white at us. It's like, why am I rooting for this horrible person? <laughs> no, that's so true. Like, they, they really did. They, I mean, they were able to create this character that was so likable in like his imagination and his creativity and his like nurturing of this kid that he clearly did care about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he actually, he really did care about the kid and um, raised him and everything like he was his own son. I don't know, it's really hard, except for you got to kind of remind yourself that he kidnapped him. I don't know, it's hard to not feel bad for him in a way. Like, yeah, the kid got reunited with his family, but was that really what he wanted, or? What about a totally different movie if, like, his real family had sucked, right? Like... Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see room in reverse. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's true. That would be very sad. And that's the thing about him, though, is, like, he doesn't, he doesn't know what he, want, he wants, kind of, he, he doesn't know anything. All he knows is Brigsby. Did you guys watch um, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? I did! Yeah. Why, were Bunker, why are Bunker movies like such a big thing this decade? Well, the producers were prophets, and they were trying to subtly... <laughs> yeah. They're like, everyone should get in the bunker. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Kimmy Schmidt did the same thing, where it's like, hey, you know, this, this bunker guy is going to be a horrible person. Who are we going to cast? Well, I don't know. One of the most likable actors of all time, John Hamm. <laughs> so it'll be impossible to hate him, even though you should. Oh, God, I got to see it. another episode of that. That's just instant laughs right there. <laughs> um, so I'm assuming you haven't seen the movie? 
I have not seen. There's a movie? There is a choose your own ending Kimmy Schmidt movie on Netflix. Oh. And I didn't know that choose your own movies were a thing, but they did a really good job with it. Interesting. Yeah. And now I have to watch every single ending. <laughs> yeah, yes, you must. And also they anticipate that you will. So it's like equally funny. <laughs> oh, I wish they would have done that with Black Mirror movie. That would have taken forever though, but. <laughs> hmm. I haven't seen that one. Again, hmm. add it to my shame list. <laughs> That's okay. Black Mirror is a little depressing for this year. Maybe a little bit too real. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so you just sent us a heartwarming movie about kidnap and bunkers. <laughs> it had heart to it. I mean. Uh -huh. I see. <laughs> You're like, they're in quarantine. They'll definitely identify with this bunker movie. <laughs> okay, in hindsight, that was a little bit uh, tone deaf on my part, but. <laughs> but it was a happy bunker. <laughs> <laughs> I wish yeah. I had gunner foxes. It was a happy bunker. Okay, but what's up with the poster that said, was it curiosity is like a bad emotion? Oh, what? Was I that didn't real? see that. I... Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, so that makes sense. So that must be why. Um... Unnatural. Curiosity is an unnatural emotion. That sounds like a um, thing that a cult leader would say. <laughs> right? <laughs> a little darker than, you know, smiley, friendly Mark Hamill. And remember, you will never leave this bunker. Until the next episode, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. I think that uh, it's interesting. This came out around uh, right before the eighth Star Wars movie. Uh, let's go ahead and get the groaning out right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, it was an interesting commentary on the idea of fandoms where we see a lot of stuff where when the Star Wars, one of the new, the first and the newer trilogy, I'm just going to call them the uh, Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver movies. Uh, <laughs> That uh, came with a lot of mixed emotions from fans, uh, and then the one after it uh, had more negative than positive, but uh, I think it was interesting to see something where it generated a cult following, and this kid's fandom was more of the slightly less toxic Star Trek fandom. Like, interesting to see that, that it was a more of a wholesome, uplifting fan base rather than, they're doing it wrong! <laughs> It kind of makes me want to go watch, like, all of Star Trek now. I'm not going to lie. I think yeah. that they kind of had an obvious little, the guy wearing a Star Trek shirt that was pointed out, I think. Yeah. Might have been a little bit of a too obvious subliminal message, but. It was a little on the nose. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's. Yeah, it is, it is complicated. I think social media is just. I don't think creatives should have to necessarily have to listen to anybody. And right. I think that's kind of what stinks about social media. It's kind of cool how we can reach out to celebrities and people we admire and whatever. But it's, I think it's, it's just, I don't know. It's, 
Imagine uh, if they had had social media in the time of Dante. Oh, you know, Inferno was great and Purgatorio was great, but then uh, Paradiso needs to be rewritten because Dante, first of all, where is Virgil? He never explained that. <laughs> I love yeah. you took us straight from Star Wars back to Dante. <laughs> it's a real smooth transition there. <laughs> and the Divine Comedy would be better with lightsabers, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, they totally make a point about that in the movie when he's at the end and they're they're doing the premiere and he's in the bathroom freaking out about, is everyone going to like it? And, you know, like, that doesn't matter if everyone likes it. Like, that's not, it's not the point of creating. Right. There's very few things, like, that you create because you want everyone to like it. I don't know. Like, maybe a theme park or, like, a roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. But if what you're creating is any kind of like art, like, you know, film or painting or music, you know, you don't necessarily want everyone to like it. Right. That it's what you want to do and what you like. I I get that. I mean, as someone who I like to consider myself creative, uh, don't know how good I am or not, but uh, (laughs) um, I... I kind of enjoy when people don't always, when they're not afraid to tell me, okay, here's what I didn't like about this, because it's like, okay, I'll take that as constructive criticism. Yeah, like, but like as a filmmaker, would you like want to make the fourth Minions movie? Even oh, though hell no! For popular. <laughs> Every like 60 year old lady on Facebook will love it. <laughs> <laughs> You're not necessarily trying to churn out popular stuff that everyone will like. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So Alex was there for for this, but we were at a film festival and I had a film coming up and they had um, messed it up. Someone had messed up the render or something like that when they had combined all the films together. So my film was going at like two times the speed, but my sound was still at the normal pace. So nothing was matching up, and um, I remember it was somebody was like, hey, like, you know, get up and, and tell the projectionist or whatever that the movie's messing up and to stop or something. Like, this is a disaster. And I just, like, went to the bathroom. I didn't tell anybody about it. I didn't talk to anybody about it. felt like I was going to throw up. Because this is, this is embarrassing. So I really... Um, I kind of related to Kyle Mooney's really pulled at that point. I mean, I wasn't to the point where I was going to throw up, but it was just like nerves and like, oh God, this is so embarrassing. And then the the movie does show the other side of the coin, though, where it's like it doesn't it doesn't matter if people get get it, but then that like rewarding feeling of when you finally do find people who understand like why you're doing whatever creative thing you're doing and how. Um, I don't know how freeing slash uplifting or uh, precious that is. You know, that, that can, so it's, I don't know, that's another two cents I got. No, I get that. Yeah, I've, I've had those uh, Kyle Mooney in the bathroom moments myself at uh, every time when I do the 48 hour film project, uh, when it comes up, my film is about to come up. I always just feel myself gripping the armrests on my seats. I'm like, oh, God, please don't flop. Please don't flop. Please let there be applause afterwards. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> That's so interesting, like, because as filmmakers, you have to watch other people watching you essentially perform while you do nothing and just sit there and watch. Like when you're in a choir and you're like, you're on stage singing, like I'm, I'm too busy performing to think about what people are thinking about me. Right. I had to sit with other people and watch them, like watch a recording of me singing. That sounds like hell. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, you, you almost have a more symbiotic relationship because you're, you guys are performing and giving off this energy and the crowd is giving it back. So it's like you said, we're just sitting there. There's nothing we can do. <laughs> we can't feed off the energy. It's just, it's just up there. At that point, the uh, two choices are sit there and let it happen or bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 That. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, but you always learn something, you know, it's like, uh, like uh, one thing I learned was just about tone, like you just talked about was, um, you know, Clay Zombies, it's, it's supposed to be this goofy B movie and everybody's supposed to know it's just goofy and you can laugh at it. Well, with the first short film, well, I was watching it and I saw somebody in the crowd um, asking someone if uh, they could laugh because they didn't know if I, it was serious, supposed to be scary movie or not. So at the end, there was a Q&A or whatever, and it turned out that girl was asking one, one of the other directors of one of the other short films, and he's like, well, I have a question for the Clay Zombies guy. Are, are we, were we allowed to laugh at your movie? And I was like, that was entirely the point. Like, yes. Like, I wanted you guys to laugh at that. And he's just like, yes, that's what I thought. But it kind of taught me something where it's like, you know, if, if you want people to know something's goofy, maybe up the goofy level at the beginning so people, like, really know, you know what I mean? Because most, maybe most people will get it, but not everybody will get it. So I guess even if something does go terribly wrong, you can grab a moment like that from it, you know? <laughs> and that said... Um... I may cut this from the podcast, but may I say the line now? Oh, yes, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm going to turn into a claymation zombie. Okay, how did anyone not know they were supposed to laugh? (laughs) Right after that, that character died. Uh, I don't know. Oh, man. (sighs) But, yeah. Also, speaking of nostalgia, I don't know why, but that party scene, not that I'm, was like a huge party boy back in the day or anything, but it's like, that kind of gave me a little bit of nostalgia from the pre-demic days where it's like, hey, we're all going to go over to someone's house where there are going to be drinks, there's going to be food, there's going to be some games, and not think anything of it. (laughs) Can you imagine everyone drinking out of the same container? <laughs> I was a germaphobe even long before this. I <laughs> yeah. I'm like the opposite of a germaphobe. 
we used to we used to smoke hookah at our high school parties and it's like oh everyone at the parties put their mouth on this sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's what's funny too is like um he, he goes back to the bunker like on, on one of his all-time lows of the movie and isn't it it's like i was like man why would he do that and then it's funny that like a lot of times as self-destructive humans we'll end up going back to something just because it's familiar even if it's not necessarily good for us it's mm -hmm. just like oh, yeah cause that's of course he did that because that's what humans do we're stupid <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of uh, two movies there. I think one of them, the more obvious, was Room in the very end. Uh, spoilers. Have you guys both seen Room? <clears throat> no. Okay. <clears throat> well. <laughs> okay. In the end of the movie, the kid wants to go back and say goodbye to the room where he and his mom were held captive for a long time. But uh, that's the only spoiler that I'm going to say in the movie. But yeah, the other movie it kind of reminded me of, Jake, to your point, was uh, in The Blind Side when Michael hears that rumor about like the family only took him in because he was good at football and then he runs away back to where those people had basically treated him awful. And then he goes back there for like a day and then like goes and reunites. But that whole idea of like we go back to what we're familiar with yeah i don't know again just spitballing i haven't seen the blind side in years i may have gotten that whole scene wrong but uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah but everyone else also hasn't seen the blind side in years i think you say yeah <laughs> so i i don't know what all points you wanted to cover but i just so that part where he goes and gets to meet um the girl who played the twins on the yeah. Facebook video show. It's like, have you guys ever met any celebrities and had like moments like that? I have, but uh, Jenny, do you have any stories first? I mean, I don't have any good stories. I, I have a favorite stand-up comic and um, I see him every year when it's not a global pandemic. Um, yeah. So every time we see him, I'm like, and um, it's super embarrassing for everyone with me, I'm sure. I'm going to guess, because we're in Ohio, I'm going to guess who that stand-up comic is. Dave Chappelle? No. Oh. No, it's not somebody. It's somebody that I go see every time he comes to perform in Ohio. Oh, okay. Um, I thought you meant you saw him in person a couple times. No, I have never seen Dave Chappelle. I'm really uh, angry about it, because I go to Yellow Springs like, at least once a year. How come I don't get to see Letterman and Chappelle? <laughs> Where are they? They're hiding from you. <laughs> the tickets ain't cheap. The tickets ain't cheap. No, yeah. but I've had a um, <clears throat> random encounter with a celebrity um, that was... <clears throat> now, I did meet uh, the Reverend Jesse Jackson. He came to the TV station when I was working there as a floor director. I got to shake his hand get a picture with him he did an interview with one of our anchors but uh, which that was really cool that was a pretty awesome moment but uh, one time when I was like 15 or something I went on vacation and I went into the hot tub and there were these three people there and one guy starts singing and like I compliment him on his voice and we're just talking and he's like yeah I'm in a musical um, 
over the playhouse up there, up the road, if you want to come see it. I'm like, oh yeah, I'd love to. And he's like, hey, um, you know what? Um, I'm going to have you, if you want, I can have you take the program and I will have the cast sign it for you. And I'm like, oh, okay, what name do you want me to put on there? Lorenzo Lamas. And I'm like, I hung out in a hot tub with Broadway actor Lorenzo Lamas and didn't even know it until. Wow. That is pretty cool. That's awesome, man. So you didn't know you didn't have the opportunity to be a super awkward and embarrass yourself. Right. Tell him that you loved him. (laughs) I mean, not until after he told me who he was. And then (laughs) I still have that program somewhere. That's pretty cool. He was the yeah, only one awesome. who ended up signing it, but uh, I don't care. It's got Lorenzo Lamas' signature on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's an interesting point in the movie because, like, he's supposed to be super awkward, like, socially awkward, nerdy, you know, age-regressed guy. But, like, he basically pulls off the most baller move of all time, which is just, like, I'm like the police come for him. He's like on the way out with his hands up. He's like, by the way, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, at that point, I'm like, okay, here's where the suspension disbelief breaks. She's in the movie after that. I'm like, uh, if I was her, I would have gone out of state, changed my name, and. True, true. Yeah, she definitely has a restraining order against it. (laughs) Wow. Real life. No way. You would have did it, Alex. Because you're, you're a good person. And I think I think she saw that um, it meant a lot to him. And uh, I, I don't know. That's the part that I, I kind of wanted to, you know, I, I know you guys are just kidding around, but that's the part I wanted to get to. It's just like, I think that was just such a, an awesome, sweet scene. Just like, you know, she she was like this person that meant like everything to him. That like, you know, the, the tape she was on and everything like brought him home like those were his uh those were his favorite things and she ends up being this nice person and stuff and they have a great conversation and everything I don't know I thought that was pretty neat it it's almost like uh made me think of like when Ed Wood stumbles upon Bella Lugosi or whatever it's like when you just like oh my god I love that movie <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, it's like, uh, that's all, I don't know, I just thought, I thought that did kind of capture the magic of, like, if you really did have this celebrity you, uh, you looked up to, and you actually got to, like, have a conversation with them, and meet them, and they turned out not to be a butthead, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it, um, I mean, you always expect everyone that you like, it's like, oh, this person was so cool, he wrote this book I liked, and then you meet him in person, like, like, I, I've had a lot of nightmares where, like, I'll meet a band or, like, I'll be on, I used to have this dream a lot, where I'd get to be on Conan, and then, like, the end of the dream was usually Conan would be like, well, why do I even have you on my show? Like, you, you, like, you've done nothing, and then I get, like, booed off the stage, and so, you know, that's what was cool about this movie, it was, like, um, you know, not to plug Clay Zombies again or whatever, but when I finally got that when I finally got Diane Franklin to be on and, you know, we talked on the phone and stuff, I just, you know, I was a wreck. Definitely not like Kyle Mooney. I just like, it was either, I was like either giggling or couldn't believe she was on the phone. She had to pretty much calm me down. Like, it's okay. 
I'm a normal person. So that's also kind of what it reminded me of is uh, when you just find out somebody's a cool person and you don't have the dream like Conan O'Brien yeah. kicking you off the show. <laughs> and I mean, Jake, you were at the festival too where, um, well, your film was in the festival uh, where Joe Bob Briggs was there and. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a celebrity encounter. Yeah, he was, he's really cool, but that was one of those things where he's so busy, you don't even really get to talk to him, you know what I mean? Hmm. Um, that's what was kind of cool about that scene is they were, he was actually able to sit down and have a long enough conversation with her and everything. Um, I would have loved to freaking quiz Joe Bob all night and talk to him about his favorite horror movies and stuff, but when he got the, you know, the long line mm-hmm. out the door to get t-shirts signed and stuff... <laughs> <laughs> oh man i still have that shirt somewhere <laughs> it's still got his signature legible on it so <laughs> yeah is it weird to frame a t-shirt because that's what i'm gonna do with mine someday I think. oh no way <laughs> totally can. nice i actually feel like framing signed t-shirts is pretty normal okay all right i hope so <laughs> made that up in my yeah i feel like i've seen that yeah but yeah, that uh, going back to the scene with the cafe and everything, I I thought it was neat because here he's thinking, okay, here's this wonderful celebrity who played the um, Soul Sisters uh, or whatever, not Soul Sisters, whatever something Sisters, Happy Rainbow Sisters or whatever. Smile Sisters. Yes, Smile the Smile Sisters. Something like that. Yeah. I totally blanked out for a second. (laughs) But yeah, I think it was interesting. He sees who he thinks is like this big star who played the, like his favorite characters. And here she is as a waitress at this cafe pouring coffee and has to go pick up her kid afterward. I thought it's so interesting that it's like the people we think are like these, oh, these amazing celebrities. And then like seeing them as normal people as well, living normal lives. except in the case of, like, Johnny Depp, who has eight houses, but (laughs) him aside. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, when they turn out to not only be a superstar uh, person or celebrity, they're also a superstar person. Yeah. I already spoiled it by accidentally saying it first, but there we go. Well, makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In the other order. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I'll fix it in post. Ooh, that hurt. <laughs> That's a gag I'm I'm really surprised did not make it into this movie, by the way, is someone saying, oh, it's okay, we'll just fix it in post. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's like, that. you know, that's what they were supposed to do for the explosion. And then uh, he fixed it in camera. <laughs> No, okay, I just filmed like three years ago, but the part where the police come out in the dark for the explosion and there's like him and like a black guy and you're like, oh no, like what's gonna happen? I mean, like I tensed up a little, like I yeah, I did too. <laughs> and it's interesting that like one of his lines were, Oh, don't worry, the police are our friends. It's like that's a line that you hear way too often nowadays. <laughs> yeah. It was 
it was weird context, especially after this year to see that scene. Cause I was having similar thoughts. Jennifer I was mm-hmm. like, and I think, you know, maybe two years ago, probably not would have even thought of that. Just been like, Oh crap. Are the, are they going to go to jail? Yeah. But we're like thinking like 2020 thoughts. Like I've been a teenager in a field, like blowing things up and the police. <laughs> <laughs> but like for, yeah, I mean, with everything that's happened this year and like the awareness that I feel like I have now about um, that kind of thing with Casey Goodson in the in the news and call. Yeah, that broke my heart. It's a tense moment in the film. Mm-hmm. Well, know, that's, it's it's not that's the thing is it's not it wasn't you know that obviously wasn't <laughs> that scene wasn't as made to have us uh, wasn't constructed to make us have those kind of crazier thoughts we were having it's just in the 2020 context all of a sudden a scene that wouldn't be a big deal we're when you know we're seeing it like uh and that's what's annoying me about 2022 is like uh i i was before like you know when all this started it was weird to not quit watching a movie and then be like oh yeah i've got to wear my mask the world sucks and now i've gotten so used to it that it's starting to flip the other way where it's like I'm watching a movie and I'm like wait why don't they have to wear masks and now I'm getting mad that now I'm getting mad because it's like no you're not gonna make me do this I think we talked about that on the last episode where we were watching Trans-Siberian and um, there's of course a lot of people packed into a train at one point in a dining car and I think someone mentioned like why are none of them wearing masks or social distance. Why? Why are the people so close together? Because this was made in two thousand eight. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. interesting that you mentioned that, Jake, because I was thinking the same thing. Was that like back in twenty seventeen? This scene clearly didn't have the same context. But like, I wonder if that was just like, is that just coming from like a position of whiteness? Like maybe for the black actor in that scene, it had exactly that context. Maybe to him, it was super ironic that oh the police are your friends like i don't know like it's a really good point so can we talk about how this is another one of those suspension of disbelief things the minute they blew that thing up suddenly four police cars are there or two or however many there were it's like were they just (laughs) camping and then oh something blew up well get in the cruiser i mean it seems like it was set in the suburbs but wasn't that scene supposed to be like out in the mountains? Yeah, like you know, happening out. in the suburbs because they don't have a lot to do. But see, that's the other thing, and I, you know, I didn't want to put like be, be another downer. But that's the other thing that immediately I was thinking of was 2020 California wildfires, and that's like immediately what I started thinking about. Is was like, is this going to start like this huge yes. wildfire? <laughs> I'm Me serious. Too. Me too. I yeah. I mean, in everything that happened in Australia in February, which seems like, I don't know how many years ago now, but. Well, yeah, I mean, California has, has had like three huge ones at least. And I don't know, that's what I thought of. So when, you know, that's why, I guess I was so busy thinking about that, that when the cops showed up, I was just like, well, at least the, they haven't got a big wildfire going on. Like, I don't know. So what you're saying is that we have been watching this movie with 2020 vision. 
yes. <laughs> yes. I'm embarrassed to say how long I've been thinking about that pun. <laughs> yes. Good timing. One last point before we get off of here, but uh, I think it's interesting seeing that it was an independently made movie that generated so much in that community and even it looked like around the country uh, in the context of the story. I think that really speaks to around 2017 uh, was when A24 pictures started getting big. And I think it really gave a rise to these independently made films like Brigsby Bear, like Wonderstruck, which was made around the same year. But uh, I don't know. I think that that was a, did anyone catch that too? Just the idea of like independent films being celebrated? Yeah, Alex, I texted you the quote. What was it? It was like, uh, at the beginning, when he, get, right when he gets out and they say, anybody can... Can anyone do it? <laughs> make a movie? He's like, sure. And I was like, I don't know if that's heartwarming or if it's like a huge burn to filmmakers. Yeah, anyone can do it. <laughs> anyone can do it. <laughs> can anyone do it? Well, anyone who has rich parents can do it, but... <laughs> It was definitely an insider nod to like that kind of attitude. Like you don't need a huge production studio. Like mm -hmm. anyone who wants to make a film can do it. You need a camera and someone to be in front of the camera. Yeah. You know, that's that's like that famous Quentin Tarantino quote or whatever, where he's like, if you truly love cinema, if you really love it, you can't help but make a good movie or whatever. And I'm uh I mean, that's the thing is like, yeah, anybody can do it. Doesn't necessarily mean it'll be good. But I think there are some people out there and, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen them who, who want to make movies, but they just want the hype. They don't, they're just like, they're going to make something that's pretty close to something that's already been made before, but they the just want to tell me why so. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they want the social media attention or, and this is just isn't with, you know, film that's with whatever kind of art where people just like want the attention more so than they've got like this unquenchable thirst to make something, they have to do it and they put their whole heart and soul in it. And I think that's the big difference is like, if you, like, you know, like you said, you can tell, cause I like, like to watch a lot of low budget stuff on Amazon Prime and you can tell what films are good and they had heart put behind them. Maybe the audio isn't always great. Maybe the right. special effects aren't great. But you can tell, like, there was a reason the person felt they had to make it, and it was good, and um, for whatever reason. And then you can tell the ones that had, like, good budgets, and it's like, they, why did you make this? Like, sometimes you just, like, it's, I don't, I don't understand why this needed to be made. That's and why it I felt gravity a little bit. <laughs> don't you dare throw shade at uh bradley what are you talking about sandra b dang okay she was great in it and clooney was great in it but um uh, i think i had two existential crises during the movie <laughs> did, did you see it in IMAX? <laughs> i would watch sandra bullock just like sit at a table and eat ramen noodles so right. <laughs> Good and she made Bird Box watchable, <laughs> but only the scene she was in, but... 
Yeah, I mean, did you see that in IMAX 3D, Alex, or did you just, like, watch that on a Blu-ray player? I saw it on the second run at the Dollar Theater. Yeah, so you, if you would have seen that at the IMAX 3D, man, it was incredible, dude. You could, like, the way they had the stars and everything, it was, it was amazing. I could, I think if I did watch it on, like, just TV, I'd probably be like, nah, yeah, but. I like the way it was filmed, and. They were, for certain scenes, totally underwater, but I uh, thought that was interesting, but I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I have to watch it again. Uh, just just real quick, though, you know, just to, to just get my crappy point out of the way. Uh, was, Sorry. <laughs> I, I think that's one of the kind of the points of the movie, though, was like, you know, you don't feel like you can't do it, you know? it's. I think that's what kind of stinks about our culture and everything is like, uh, if you can't do everything as well as a Marvel movie, don't even try. Like, even if you want to really bad, it's just gonna suck in comparison and don't even try. And I think that was kind of the positive messages. Like, if you want to do it, do it, you know? Right. And, and it doesn't matter if people like it or not. And I think going off that, uh, interestingly enough, this was made, um, what came out a couple of months after this, The Disaster Artist, which had a similar scene speaking of Tommy Wiseau, but uh, where he goes into the bathroom and starts crying because everyone's laughing at his movie because it's the room. But uh, anyway, the Greg Sestero character goes in and tells him, like, look, you made a movie. It doesn't matter how they react. And it's like, you know what? As bad as the room is, I think that's a point we really should live by as creative creative people like boost other creators confidence even if it's not as good as a marvel movie or in the room's case a lifetime movie i mean i wonder how big of a budget now i want to know what their budget was for bruce lee bear let's see they had mark hamill um so that already sets it in. i know well that's what i was thinking so it says i mean i googled it to see if i could <coughs> interwebs and it just says it had a small budget and they won't say how much i was like they had like they had like 10 actors i recognize like how could that <laughs> have on a small budget i don't i don't know what maybe you guys I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess one to three million somewhere around there yeah um i mean i could see if a lot of them volunteered you know, Kyle Mooney's really good friends with Beck Bennett, so they could probably got Beck cheap. Um, Mark probably could have been realistically done in three to four days doing all his audio work and his two scenes. So, you know, if, if, if they had volunteers and it was a passion project, I could see it being done for 300 to 500,000. You know what I mean? But I don't know. It'd be it'd be interesting. That stinks that they don't they don't show that because now you got me really curious, Jennifer. I <laughs> I like to know now. Suddenly we do the deep dive. <laughs> but no, yeah. To your point, I see what you're saying about like the Amazon Prime, the low budget movies. I remember I watched, um, and this might not have been a super low budget one, but. The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension, 
I could not tell you what that movie's plot was, but I loved it. Just because it's like, it just looked like everyone was having so much fun making it. And then, I don't know, I've seen, there was another movie. Have you guys seen the movie Marjorie Prime? Mm-mm. No. That was another one that I watched right around the same time, another uh, independent film. And I think it was like what you were talking about at first, someone just like making something to have the high, but not really caring about like, is it fun to make or are people going to enjoy it? I just want to have that high. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the acclaim. Uh, Yeah. Well, it's so all I see here is, they made, they got, okay, so Sony bought the distribution rights for $5 million, and it says that was far higher than the film's budget. So I'm going to guess the three hundred to 500000 hmm. It just seems like cheating to say, we had a low-budget movie when you had, like, okay, well, yeah, that's because people were donating their time to it. Yeah. It almost feels like cheating to call it a low-budget movie when you have, you know... 10 actors I can name. I am not a person who can name a lot of actors and actresses. So if I was recognizing people, that's a lot. (laughs) And I recognized, like, in hindsight, the woman who played the mother, the real mother. Yeah, um, yeah, from uh, The Unicorn. I don't know what I recognized her from, but I recognized her, Matt Walsh. Mm Mm-hmm. Andy Samberg for however little time. Bennett. So you said said the director was a SNL director, right? Right, David McCary. So that that right there, like that's that's gotta be. He had a lot. He had he had favors he could call to get all those Mm -hmm. SNL alum in there, you know. And his wife probably had a lot of favors too, Emma Stone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Overall, I think for being a low but unknown budget. I think they pulled it off really well. Agreed. Yeah, this this I'm um, this is a really fun process, Alex. I appreciate you uh, having me on, and I think it was kind of neat to watch something like this and then have a uh, a neat discussion about it. It's it's a gem, man. And I don't know if I necessarily would have got a chance to. Um, this is I saw a trailer for this like two years ago. And I was like, oh, I want to watch that. And then I think it it was like pre-order only or it was just a trailer that it was going to come out eventually or something like that. And I just I just forgot. And there's just so many movies out there that you can lose one like this, you know, so. I have a lot yeah. of those. And honestly, though, the way that the plot was described to me when it first came to Drexel, before I even saw the trailer, I just saw the poster for it. And I asked one of the managers, I'm like, oh, this looks interesting. What's this about? And he said, oh, it's about a kid who is photosensitive. So in order to go out in the sun, he has to wear a bear costume. But then that's how he changes people's lives. Like, And he becomes the Brigsby bear. And I'm like, that sounds ridiculous. Your manager just invented an entirely different movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where he picked that up. <laughs> I kind of want to see that movie too now, but <laughs> yeah, he just like he was messing with you. Is that guy a prankster or something? <laughs> you 
really <laughs> was about? serious. He just lied to you. He made up a very elaborate lie. I think he said he heard it from a customer, but he did prank me at one point. We had a giant eagle built right next to the theater, and he told me that he heard from someone, quote unquote, that uh, Guy Fieri was doing something there. And I said, I'm like, oh, nice. Ten minutes before my shift, I can go meet Guy Fieri. I go into that giant eagle. I ask at customer service when Guy Fieri is going to be there. <laughs> the guy gets his manager. The manager gets the GM, and the GM looks at me, and he just says slowly, he's like, but we don't have Guy Fieri on the books today. And I go back, and my manager's there, and the director of operations is there, and they're both just trying to hold in a laugh. I'm like, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, thanks for putting this together. It was uh, it was really fun, and nobody has ever asked me for my opinion on film before. So uh, <laughs> oh, I feel honored now. <laughs> I hope it was a good decision. <laughs> oh, it was. Thank you so much. You guys have both been great. Thank you so much for being a part of this, and uh, I would love to have you guys back on here at some point. Yes, sir. Please, please for Velocipasture, allow me to come back humbly. Oh, of course. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of The Greatest Unknowns. If you like what you heard tonight, subscribe to The Greatest Unknowns on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and make sure to like us on Facebook. We'll be back in two weeks with a different movie and different guests, so goodbye until then. We'll see you next time, and remember, if you see a movie that you think should be featured on an episode of The Greatest Unknowns, make sure you message it to us on Facebook and we'll try to fit it into the schedule. So long, everybody. Have a great night.